This morning, I'm Robert Morris. It's good to have you here at Gateway Church. Well, I'm Jimmy Evans. I thought I might get away with that. They told me normally when I'm here, they give me a wonderful introduction, but they said this time, your family, just get up yourself. And so here I am. It's great to be here uh, this morning. And I have, uh, I believe, an encouraging word for you if you'll turn in your Bibles there to Matthew 27. And it's always great to be here uh, with you guys. Uh, Marriage Today is the ministry that I lead. We have just last month relocated our headquarters right here to Dallas. We're over in Las Colinas. It's great to be here. Karen and I have a home here now. So rather than staying in a hotel, I get to go home after this. That's a big deal. So it's good to be here. I have a message this morning that is called the two faces of faith. And I want to talk to you this morning about the nature of faith. Pastor Robert brought a great message last week about Easter Sunday and how that changes everything. And I actually kind of want to tag onto that because my message relates to the weekend, last weekend of Good Friday and Easter Sunday. But I want to talk about the nature of faith. And faith, the Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. When the Bible uses the word impossible, it really does mean impossible. You know, sometimes we say something's impossible, but it's really not. But when the Bible says it's impossible, it's impossible. And the Bible says without faith, you can't please God. It's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder to those who diligently seek him. And so the Bible says that we're saved by faith. We cannot be saved and go to heaven without faith. We receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. By faith. We receive the Holy Spirit in our lives every day by faith. We obtain the promises, every promise in the Bible. We can only get those promises by faith. Our entire relationship with God is based on faith. And so I want to talk about it because obviously it's critical to our walk with God in our eternity with Him. And so the nature of faith always has two faces. Faith has two phases and two faces. And the two phases of faith are the Friday phase and the Sunday phase. And the two faces of faith are the face of a fool and the face of a champion. Now, Jesus, on Good Friday, that we celebrated last week, on Friday, Jesus became the ultimate fool. He hung on the cross. He, he was mocked by those who passed by. In fact, here's the scripture where I, I ask you to turn there, Matthew 27, 38. Look at how foolish Jesus became. On Good Friday, when he was going through the first phase of faith, wearing the face of a fool, Matthew 27, 38, it says two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and another on the left. And those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads and saying, you who destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. If you're the son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priest also mocking with the scribes and elders said he saved others himself. He cannot save. If he is the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now if he will have him. For he said, I'm the son of God. And even the robbers who were crucified with him reviled him with the same thing. Jesus went through Friday and it just wasn't here where we're reading. That's kind of the where it ended up. But remember how the Jews spat in his face. Remember that? Well, if you saw the passion of the Christ, I think you saw a very real portrayal of the humiliation of Jesus. And they blindfolded him, slapped him in the face and said, prophesy, who's the one who slapped you? And they spit on him. And then the Romans, you remember, they mocked him. They dressed him up in a purple garment and put a a crown of thorns on his uh, head and gave him a reed. And and they bowed 
bowed down to him and mocked him. And then, of course, they tortured him. And Jesus, all day long on Friday, looked like the ultimate fool. Now, we know that he wasn't the ultimate fool because Jesus is the Son of God. But how many of you know he didn't look like the Son of God right then? In fact, really, it didn't begin on Friday. It began at his birth. The king of the universe was born in a stable. And his first bassinet was an animal feeding trough. We've kind of romanticized it. We called it a manger. It's where animals ate out of. And that was his first bassinet. It doesn't seem appropriate for the king of the universe to be born in such a, such a, a rural, common, uh, even really disgusting place in some ways. For any woman here who's going to have birth, having it in a, in, a, in a stable just doesn't sound like the most sanitary of things to do. And then Jesus, you remember, he had to flee into Egypt and came back and grew up as a carpenter's son in a very common life, in a very common old place called Nazareth. And, of course, then later his hometown people tried to kill him. That's not really what you hope for. And then he began his ministry without pedigree, without the common, uh, the, the common things that a person would do to become a Messiah or the Son of God. Yet he proclaimed himself that. And ultimately it ended up on Friday in the ultimate humiliation. And so the first phase of faith, when, when your faith begins, when you're going to do something that pleases God, when you're going to do something that is going to have victory at the end of it, you always have to go through the Friday phase of your faith where you wear the face of a fool. Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. Sometimes it's not in the eyes of others that we look like a fool. It's in our own eyes that we look like a fool. Sometimes you're doing the right thing. You're standing on the Word of God. You're standing on a promise. Jesus, by the way, when he went through Friday, he was standing on a promise. And the promise he had is God would not allow his body to undergo decay. That he knew that God would not leave him in the grave, but he would be resurrected from the dead. The second phase of faith is the Sunday phase. And the Sunday phase is resurrection day. This is when God comes through. It's when you see the promise come true. You see the miracle that you've been standing for. You've been walking by faith and now it becomes sight. And Sunday was Resurrection Day, when Jesus came out of the grave, and you wear the second face of faith, and that's the face of a champion. See, the, the good thing about the face of a fool is it's temporary. The bad thing is it's essential. The good thing about the face of a champion is it's permanent, and no one can ever take it away from you. Jesus was the ultimate fool for one day, but he's the ultimate champion for all of eternity. And when you become a champion on Sunday... That day that God's promise is realized, you'll realize it was worth a bad Friday to get to Sunday. That every person who experiences overcoming faith, you have to go through Friday to get to Sunday. That's the only way you can live in overcoming faith. You have to be willing to wear the face of a fool. To be able to wear the face of a champion. And it's not just true of Jesus. It's true of all of us and it's certainly true of every great champion of the faith in the Bible. And let me just give you some examples here. It's all through Scripture, beginning with Noah. You remember Noah. We know Noah, obviously, as a champion of the faith. And he's the one who was the only righteous man on the earth. His family, eight people, were the only people who were saved out of the flood that flooded the entire earth. And he was a preacher of righteousness. Not only did he build the ark, he was preaching righteousness to the wicked society around him. And he and his sons built an ark. Now, this was not a boat. This was a ship. I've made the mistake before being on a ship and calling it a boat. And you're immediately corrected. And people who own ships are very sensitive about those things. And I said, this is not a boat. This is a ship. This was not a boat. It was a ship. It was a huge vessel. 
And Noah and his sons built this huge vessel. And I remind you of several things. One is, is that it had never rained on the earth. They were not around water. There were no trucks and trailers or a way to haul a boat to the water. Is that there was no water. There was no water around them. They were building it on dry land. And it had never rained before on the earth. And so that's one little thing that we need to remember. The other thing we need to remember is Noah was 600 years old when he closed the door on the ark and the rain began. How many of you know that's old? If you're here and you're 600 years old, I'm saying to your face, you're old. Noah had been on Social Security for over 500 years. That's old, ladies and gentlemen. And so I'm saying now, when you look at the account of the ark in the Bible, it is this huge ship that four men built, basically. They may may have had some help, but the Bible doesn't say they did. And others were wicked and and mocking them, I'm sure. So they built this ship. I'm going to say, I'm just going to say, it probably took about 100 years. Remember, not only did they have to build it, they had to go get animals of all the different kinds, and bring them on the, the ship. And I, I'm hoping God helped them out and the lions came voluntarily. You know. But they had to go get all the animals and gather them. So, so just imagine for just a minute, everyone on the earth is unrighteous and wicked and immoral, so much so that God destroys all of them. And so you're a righteous person preaching righteousness, and you start building the ark, And one day people start noticing this huge thing that's being built and they ask you what you're building. And you say, I'm building, I'm building a boat, I'm building a ship. And they're saying, really? We thought it was a funny looking house. No, it's not a funny looking house. It's, it's actually an ark and God's going to flood the earth. And we're putting ourselves and animals of every kind on this ark and God's going to flood the earth. And they say, how's God going to flood the earth? Rain. And it's never rained before. Can you imagine how dumb he looked? And can you imagine how long he looked that dumb? And I'm sure, I'm just sure there were mornings that Noah woke up and said, God, are you sure? Is this the craziest thing that I've ever done in my life? But how many of you know, when he was 600 years old and he closed the door on the ark And the rain began. How many of you know that all of a sudden Noah got smart in the eyes of the world? And when the water was about neck deep, don't you know there were bangs on the side of that ark of people saying, Noah, we believed in you the whole time. We were just joking. Open this door. But the door didn't open. Because those people who mocked him and those people who rejected him and would not listen to his preaching and they called him a fool, all of a sudden they were the fools and he was the champion. You know, ladies and gentlemen, you know, we talk about the rapture. You know, we talk about the second coming of Christ. And we talk about, you know, the the book left behind all these millions of books that are around. You know, do you know how stupid we look in the eyes of the world when we talk about Jesus coming again? But do you realize in the twinkling of an eye when our clothes are laying in a pile on the floor, we will look so smart? When Jesus comes, when you're talking about it and and when you're living the life of faith and others are mocking you and mocking your faith and mocking your beliefs and mocking the way that you're living your life. You look so stupid. They look so smart. But when Christ comes through the eastern skies, we're going to look so good. And we're going to wear the face of champions for all of eternity if we endure. That's what Jesus said. And so that's just the way that it is. But no, I'm just reminding you. That he's a champion of the faith today, but boy, did he live as a fool before he became a champion. Abraham, we know, is the father of the faith, and certainly he is. I mean, Abraham, what a a great man. But I just want to remind you again of some of the dumb things that he did. 
Abraham left Ur of the Chaldees, which was the cultural center of that day. He left Ur of the Chaldees for an unknown land. There was no Fodor's travel guide. There was no Google Earth. There, there was no television. He had absolutely no idea where he was going, and he followed the voice of God out into an unknown land from the cultural center of that day, like New York City or London or something like that. The second thing that he did, obviously, was believing God for a child when they were way beyond childbearing years. Remember, at 100 years old, he and Sarah believed God for a child. That's pretty foolish, but it even gets worse than that. And that he took that child that was born to him miraculously and lifted a knife to kill it when God said Remember that? He took Isaac to the Temple Mount, the promise, the promised son. And he took Isaac to the Temple Mount and he had his hand up, coming down with a knife in his hand, with Isaac, the promise, laying right here. And on his way down, the angel grabbed his arm and says, now we know you believe in God. How do you explain that when you go home? How do you explain that you just killed the promise to your wife? I'm telling you, you can't do it. Sarah was a good gal, but I don't think he could have done that one. Another thing that he did, that I'm telling you, this is, this is one of the craziest things I think he ever did. It was a good thing, but it looked crazy. Five kings attacked Sodom and Gomorrah, where his nephew Lot lived. Five kings. Abraham attacked five kings to go rescue his nephew Lot with 318 of his house servants. Maids, cooks, butlers. They whipped five kings and brought his nephew home. That's gutsy. That's gutsy. That's crazy. And he was so mad. He was a man of faith. And he was so mad when he heard that his nephew Lot was captured. He didn't matter. It didn't matter to him how many kings were out there. It just mattered they had something that belonged to him. And he was a man of God. And he had the faith to go get it back. And when you read your Bible and you see these people who did such great things, I'm just telling you, they looked pretty crazy before they did all those great things and became a champion of the faith. Little David. Remember him? How he became famous? He attacked a nine-foot-tall giant with a slingshot. You know how crazy that is? That's like reading the paper this morning and hearing that a Cub Scout troop just captured Osama bin Laden. It's crazy. And when you read your Bible and you see these champions of faith, remember, remember what they went through. If you're going to become a champion of the faith, if you're going to do great things for God, if you're going to accomplish the destiny that God has for you, there are two faces. In two phases of all victorious faith. It's all through the Bible. Joseph, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Gideon, Elijah and Elisha, Peter stepping out of the boat onto the water where there was a storm with Jesus. The centurion's faith, believing that his servant could be healed by a word from Jesus, even though Jesus did not visit him. The thief on the cross next to Jesus who believed that the man being crucified next to him was a king who could take him to paradise. All overcoming faith begins wearing the face of a fool and being willing to believe for something that you cannot see and even be reviled and persecuted and rejected by people who don't understand the life of faith. And there are some reasons I just want to talk about for just a minute. There are some reasons why some people really never experience overcoming faith in their life. And I'm saying these things so to help all of us to step out of wherever we are. And if you're going through a bad Friday, to help to encourage you that Sunday comes if we just keep the faith. One of the reasons that some people never really accomplish what God wants to accomplish through their lives related to faith is they don't believe in Sunday. So they can't endure Friday. In other words, they just don't have the faith 
that God can resurrect what is happening in their life on Friday. Can you imagine if you, again, if you saw the movie The Passion of the Christ and you saw everything that happened to Jesus and that He died, do you know how much faith it took to believe that He could come out of the grave on Sunday morning? Faith has to believe in the power of God or it cannot operate. Here's what Hebrews 12 says. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your soul. It begins by saying, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. About 40 years ago and 60 pounds ago, I was a runner in track. I know it takes faith, but have faith. I was, I was a runner in track when I was a kid. One of the first things you learn in track is you always look in front of you. And if there is a finish line, if you can see the tape in front of you, that's all you look at. You never look around you. You never look behind you. There's another thing that you know in track. The closer you get to the finish line, the more you're hurting. I mean, the pain increases many times as the race goes on that you heard the saying that it's darkest before the dawn. Sometimes it is. Some, you, you have to keep the finish line in front of you. And it says here, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus. He's the author of our faith. He's the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. On Friday, Jesus wasn't thinking about Friday. He was thinking of Sunday. All during Friday, he never let Friday overcome him because he had faith that Sunday was coming. Ladies and gentlemen, it may be Friday, but Sunday's coming. You've got to remind yourself of that. And in the dark moments in your life, when you're going through difficult times, you've got to remember what the Bible says. You've got to keep the promises and the prophecies of God right in front of you. And you've got to remember and remind yourself and remind the devil that God is a miracle-working God. And He's not going to let me down. He's never let me down before. He can't deny Himself. His Word is true. He's exalted His Word above His name. It may be Friday, but Sunday's coming. And Sunday's coming because God said Sunday was coming. And I'm putting my faith in that. It doesn't matter how I feel. It doesn't matter what anybody says. It matters what God says. And if God says there's a Sunday morning, there's a Sunday morning. And if you're a parent and you have children, you need faith to parent your children. You really do. If anything takes faith, parenting takes faith. And the Bible says if you train up a child in the way they should go, when they get old, they won't depart from it. It means one day when they mature, they'll come back to your teaching. But it never means, it doesn't mean that they'll never go through a difficult time. Sometimes children go through very difficult times. And mothers and fathers both can just say to themselves, well, I'm a failure. I'm a failure. Look at this child. And the devil whispers in your ear and says, yes, you're a failure. And this child you're raising is the next world terrorist. And you're thinking, I, I can believe that. I, there's plenty of evidence right now. He terrorized the whole house today. I mean, the neighborhood. It, and you're saying to yourself, no, this child is not going to be the next world terrorist. This child is going to be the next world evangelist. Because my Bible says that if I train this child up the way they should go when they get old, they'll come back to it. I declare this is a man of God. This is a woman of God. I will not give up and I will keep doing the right thing with faith in my heart. But if you can't see Sunday, ladies and gentlemen, you become overwhelmed in the Fridays of life. 
Your financial dreams, your dreams for your marriage, your dreams for your family, your dreams for your business, your dreams for your ministry. You have to believe that there's a Sunday out there that God has promised you because you will go through Friday. Another reason why some people never experience the the great things that God wants them to experience in life is because some people's fear of Saturday is greater than their faith in Sunday. They, They believe in the power of God. But they have terrible fear in their life. Remember, Saturday was grave day. Saturday's death day. Sunday's resurrection day. And the devil is a devil of fear. God is a God of faith and the devil is a devil of fear. The number one thing that the devil uses against unbelievers is deception. The number one thing that the devil uses against believers is fear. He always used fear. Wherever there's a promised land in your life, he'll stake a giant right there to keep you from your promised land. He wants you to fear Saturday more than you have faith in Sunday. So let's listen to this. This is Hebrews 2, talking about Jesus. It says, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Jesus came to destroy the ultimate fear that all of us have in our lives, which is the fear of death. Satan uses fear to control us. And let me give you an example of this. When I was called into the ministry when I was 19 years old, when I was growing up, I was the class clown. I, I, I just, I'm very ADD. I, it's hard for me to pay attention. And so in class when I was growing up, I was the class clown, always got in trouble. I always sat next to the teacher. Guess why? Wherever the teacher sat, my desk always touched the teacher's desk because I was within striking distance or shouting distance, whatever the teacher. So they always set me right there. I was a class clown. Never had a shy moment in my life until I was 19 years old. And two weeks after I received Christ, I was sitting in the backyard of my house. And uh, Karen and I had been married for one week. And I was sitting in the backyard of my house, and I was sitting there, been saved a couple of weeks, and it was like a sheet dropped in front of my face. And I saw myself preaching to a multitude of people at 19 years old. And uh, God called me to preach. That's the moment God called me to preach. And like three hours later, there was a fear that came into my life, more than I'd ever had fear before, of speaking in front of people. I had never feared speaking in front of people. I loved speaking in front of people. the, the, The bigger the audience, the more I liked it until the day the Lord called me into the ministry. And I'm not talking about just a fear of speaking in front of people. I'm talking about a terror of speaking in front of people. And here's what happened after the Lord called me into the ministry. I would be standing talking to somebody and another person would walk up and I couldn't talk. I would just freeze up. I would become so overwhelmed by fear. I had seen the promised land. I had seen the destiny that God had for my life. But this overwhelming fear came on me. And I just kind of masked it and didn't say anything about it. But I knew one day if I ever preached in front of people, I was going to have to overcome that fear. And we were in church. And the church that I pastored for over 20 years, we were members of that church. And one day they came up to us, Karen and I, and they said, "Uh, will you lead a life group? And I thought to myself, well, I'm going to have to speak in front of people. And uh, so we prayed about it. And I knew. That if I said yes, I was going to have to face this fear of speaking in front of people. And, and we said yes. Karen, Karen said, we need to do this. And I knew in my heart we were supposed to do it. Listen, I couldn't sleep for one week. I hyperventilated for one week. I was terrified, absolutely terrified of the thought of people listening to me 
and me having to talk in front of him. So I wrote down everything I was going to say that night on a piece of paper. I wrote down every single word. The people came to our life group. There were about 15 people. I just read off my paper all night long. You know what? God was just terrified the whole night. Just, I couldn't even look up. I was so terrified. After the group was over that night, the first guy walked out the door, looked at me in the eye and said, you can't teach. That, that's what I feared. I feared that someone would do that. And then one of the guys in our life group, a couple of years later, when I got used to teaching, told his preacher in another town that I knew how to preach. I'd never preached before in my life. I thought I was going to have a heart attack the first time I preached. I got up and grabbed the pulpit, couldn't look at anybody, and I was terrified the first time I preached. The second time it was bad. The third time it was bad. The fourth time it was not quite so bad. The fifth time, the sixth time. This is the zillionth time I could go to sleep up here this morning. When God gives you a promise, there's always a Saturday before Sunday. And the devil will always put a spirit of fear to terrorize you away from the promised land. And a nation full of people came to the promised land and there were giants there. And there were two men who had no fear of those giants because they saw God on the other side of those giants. They saw God above those giants. They knew that their God was bigger than those giants. And they said, let us go into the promised land. Those men's protection has been taken away from them. God is with us. They'll be our prey. But an entire nation full of people who could only see Saturday and couldn't see Sunday went back to their tent doors and wailed. And God said, I will not let that generation into the promised land because their faith in Saturday is greater than their faith in Sunday. They believe in the devil's power more than they believe in my power. And ultimately, ladies and gentlemen, when you get down to whether you're going to live in fear or in faith, it all comes down to who you have more faith in. The devil or God. The world or God. And I'm just telling you right now, the God who's given you that promise is able to resurrect the dead. He's able to heal your body. He's able to give you supernatural power. He's able to change your circumstances. He's able to do things that no one else can do, but it all comes by faith. And some people never get to their promised land because their, their fear of Saturday is worse or greater than their faith in Sunday. There's one other thing related to this, and that is some people... Never get there because they believe they can have Sunday without a Friday. They believe that they can bypass the problems or the foolishness or the price to get to the prize. You know, I I don't blame anyone for this because it's the natural way that we would think. And that is, you know, I want a great marriage, but I never want to go through problems. I want the character of Christ. I just don't want to ever go through any of the sufferings or the or the trials that, that, you know, that build my character. I want a harvest, but I don't want to sow. You know, I want blessings, but I don't want obedience. Whatever it is, I want Sunday without a Friday. And I say this to you, ladies and gentlemen, and that is Fridays are so important in our lives. The reason that God insists that we go through the first phase of faith to get to the second, there are reasons for it. The first is this. It proves our level of faith. It it proves, why would God make me go through Friday to get to Sunday rather than just every day being Sunday and never having to go through anything to get what I get? It proves my faith. We say we believe in God. Do you believe in God? Do you have faith in the Word of God? Friday is what tests that. Here's what Peter says. Beloved, do not think it is strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing were happening to you. He's saying, don't be surprised when trials come. It's there to test you. It's there to test your faith, not to tempt you so that you'll fail. The devil tempts you so you'll fail. God comes to test you 
so you'll get stronger and so that you'll recognize the level that your faith is at. I was on an airplane recently, and there was a stewardess on the airplane, and she recognized me because of her TV show. And she said, well, I watch you and Karen on TV, and I was divorced 10 years ago. And she said, when I got a divorce, she said it was a very painful divorce, and I made my mind up right then, next time I'm doing it God's way, because I didn't do it right the first time. And she said, I had a group of friends, and my group of friends that I had at that time said to me, go with us to the bars so we can go out and meet guys and pick up guys. And she said to her friends, I'm not going to the bars to pick up a guy. I'm not going to meet my husband like that. The next time I get married, God's going to bring me that man, and I'm going to trust God to give me the right husband. And she said, so my friends went out, and she said, I went home, and I prayed to God. And she said, Lord, I may be naive. But this time, you're going to bring the man to me. I'm trusting you to bring the man to me. And here's what she said. She said, and he moved in right behind me. We fell in love. We're about to get married. And he's reading your book. (laughs) There was a test in her life. Do you believe that God is able to bring you the right person? Do you believe that God will reward you for doing the right thing? When all your friends are going that way, are you willing to put on the face of a fool and go that way? Let me just tell you something. I don't know how many days or weeks or months that she had to stand by faith and her friends were going out and, you know, saying whatever they were saying about her. But how many of you know she looks pretty good right now? How many of you know she got the best man of the bunch? I can guarantee you that. And for the rest of her life, she will wear the face of a champion, enjoying the benefits of that. But it tested her faith. If you say you believe in God, if you say you're not ashamed of Christ... If you say that you've given your life to God and your purpose is to live for God, there'll be a test to that. And I'm not saying a test you can't endure or a test that's too difficult because that never happens. But there will be a test. The second reason that these things happen to us, a Friday comes into our lives before a Sunday comes because it reveals who we fear the most and whose approval controls our lives. In other words, do you fear God most or do you fear man most? Here's what Jesus says. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher and a servant like his master. If they call the master of the house Beelzebub, by the way, the word Beelzebub means Lord of the Flies or Demon Master. He says, if they call me Demon Master, how much more will they call those of his household? Therefore, do not fear them. For there is nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. Whatever you hear on the ear, preach in the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to kill both body and soul, destroy both soul and body in hell. Now, just listen to me. When we go to school tomorrow, when we go to work tomorrow, when we go into our family, and some of our family may not be believers, we shouldn't be self-righteous people. We should be very gracious believers who don't look down our nose to other people. But ladies and gentlemen, did you know on our best day we still offend people because of our beliefs? And here's the question. Do you fear people more than you fear God? Are you willing? Jesus Jesus hung on Friday naked in front of his mother. I want you to think about that. His mother Mary was standing at the foot of the cross. Imagine what his mother had to endure. And Jesus did all that for us. Jesus was willing to endure shame for us 
And when we go and live our lives as believers, there are people who absolutely hate God, hate the Bible, and hate everything that we stand for. And in those times that we're living our lives in the public eye and other people are mocking us and we're going through a Friday of people wagging their heads at us and ridiculing us and calling us names, do we fear God more or do we fear people more? It's the question. And the answer comes in the way that we conduct ourselves on Fridays. And if we tuck tail and run, if we're ashamed of Christ... It just means that there's something wrong with our faith. Our faith is weak. It doesn't mean that God condemns us for that, but it just means we need to stop doing that and become stronger in our faith. Let me just say a couple of more things here. Why we go through Friday to get Sunday. It makes us appreciate God's blessings more when they come. There's no one who appreciates a healthy body more than a person who went through a bad Friday to get it and stood on the promises of God. It is a witness to unbelievers of our faith in Christ And gives believers the courage to face their Fridays in life. When Jesus had gone through Friday, the centurion at the the foot of the cross said, this was the Son of God. Sometimes you're going through a difficulty and you, you can't even understand why you're going through this difficulty. But you just don't realize how many people are watching your life. And you say you're a Christian, you say you have faith in God, and in your Friday you you demonstrate that faith and you stand on the promises of God and other people are watching you. And when they see not just what you went through, but how you went through it, your faith, your perseverance, your determination, your godliness through that hard time, convince them. And they stand there and say, surely that's a woman of God. Surely that's a man of God. I want the God that you have because we all go through problems, but Christians have a different solution than anybody else. And when you go through your Friday ride, it inspires other people. One other thing, it shows how thankful we are to God that he became a fool to save us. And here's what the Apostle Paul says. We are fools for Christ's sake. We are fools for Christ's sake. When it all comes down to why should I be willing to do any difficult thing that God asked me to do? It all comes down to, I'll do anything for him because he died on the cross to save me from my sins. He became a fool for me, and there's not any level of foolishness that I will not go through for my Lord Jesus Christ. I will become a fool for his sake, if not for any other sake. I will do it for him. I want you to stand with me if you would this morning. I'm looking this morning at some champions in the faith. Do you know that? The faces of champions. And though people may call you a fool, God will never call you a fool for believing in Him. And you're not a fool. And if you'll put that face on when you need to, that temporary face of a fool, and walk by faith, that face is temporary. It just lasts for a little while. But once you're through with that face, you'll put on the face of a champion. No one can take it away from you. And you'll see the power of God on your Sunday morning. I want to ask our leaders to come down, our altar workers, if you'd go ahead and come down very quickly. And when we dismiss here in just a minute, you're going to have the opportunity to come down and receive prayer, to receive Christ as Lord of your life, to receive prayer for anything. If you need a healing in your body, a miracle in your family, or in your finances, you just need hope this morning. Maybe you just feel overwhelmed by discouragement in your life. I want you to know that God is here. These are people of faith. They're here to share their faith with you so that you can get through your Friday and get to your Sunday. I want you to bow your head if you would this morning. Father, we thank you. For your love and your grace, we thank you, God. You are the God of Sunday morning. We just declare there's a Sunday coming in our lives. It doesn't matter how dark Friday gets. You're still God. And you're still there. 
Your word says you will never leave us nor forsake us. You will never do that. Jesus, you said in this world you have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. This morning, God, regardless of where we are, we make the decision that we will be willing to put on the face of a fool when we need to, to be faithful and obedient to you. The second decision that we make this morning is that we will keep Sunday in our minds and not let the devil take it away from us. Through discouragement, through fear, through whatever it might be, we believe in the power of God. We believe in the promises of God. And we believe that there's a Sunday morning in our future. And we're going to walk by faith until we experience the resurrection power of God. I pray this morning, Lord, for your encouragement to every dear person here and all the workers at the front here. They're going to pray with people when the service is over. I pray for the resurrection power of God to flow through them into every person they pray for. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.